Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380. And streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in the studio by Brian O'Connell from New England Soccer News. Um, Revolution had an interesting uh, night last night. Started off uh, very slowly um, and go- went down two to nothing in the 73rd minute before coming back behind goals from Steve Rawlson in the 77th minute and Taylor Twelman in the 79th minute. Uh, we were discussing early all, all great goals, but uh, we got Brad Feldman, the Revolution play-by-play announcer for the TV broadcast and also uh, broadcast executive for the Revolution, uh, now joining us on the line. So we'll get right to him. Uh, Brad, how are you doing? Good, Sean. Brian, how are you? Good to be here. How you doing, Brad? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, so, so looking at last night's result, obviously the Revs getting off to a, a slow start again at home. Uh, is there anything really to explain that uh, throughout the season? I know they've been talking, talking and talking after the games. You know, slow starts. We got to get, got to get off to a faster start, and that's the big key at home. But uh, is there anything to explain why this late in the season the Revs uh, still having trouble getting off to a start and imposing their style well, of play? Yeah, to a certain extent, I thought they tr- you know, I thought they tried to come out of the gates. I think the switch to the three five two was intended to do that and be less conservative than they were against uh, Columbus the previous week. Uh, and and, and Dubé did have that good chance in the fifth minute. But I think that uh, Real Salt Lake is a much better team than we've ever seen them uh, bring into a game before. Right now, they you know some of the changes they've made personnel wise uh, have really benefited them. You know, you saw. Javier Morales playing uh, really well. I mean, nobody likes the chicanery and the you know the extra tumbles and all the histrionics and stuff. But the guy's a really good player, and he took up good positions, and he was very mobile. Sort of a younger, more mobile like Guillermo Barrascoloto. I thought that uh, you know you're a move Sissian, You know he he just he he gets you know he 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 pulls people out of position because of his his. Uh, his uh, work rate up top, and how about Clint Mathis? You know, turning back the clock—that was really a, a great performance for 65 minutes by by Clint Mathis. And I, I think that they kind of, you know, Kyle Beckerman's an all-star caliber holding midfielder, and I think that they, you know, did a good job of possessing it, stroking it around, and um, you know, they pushed up uh, the back line for the offside trap. I thought Robbie Russell was terrific in the central defense. Uh, I think that, that Jason Christ now has some, you know, real selection problems when Hymas and Olave. Uh, becomes eligible to play again after serving the one-game suspension. So I think if you're talking specifically about last night, it's not that the Revs weren't motivated. They just came up against a good team who uh, you know, were able to impose their game plan. But Greg and I talked about in the first half, you can't play that in-your-shirt pressure style for 90 minutes. No matter how fit you are, it's just tough to pull on the rope that long. And I think that when the Revs change it up a little bit uh, in the second half, you know the 69th minute sub of Kenny Mansali, and then more importantly the substitution of uh, Mauricio Castro. They were let, you know, able to get more of the ball right at the time when RSL started to tire. And you know if they hadn't gotten that that, that uh, goal where they went where the where they went up to nothing, RSL might have been in even more trouble because the momentum was already starting to shift. But it, it did seem like the Revs had trouble getting that final pass off throughout the game. Um, when, even when they did get forward, uh, I know we have some comments of that we'll play later in the show. 
um, after the game from Twaman and Nickel talking about that. And the, the two goals they have are kind of lucky bounces off of the defense. Uh, I think that was possibly what surprised me the most, that even in this 3-5-2 with everyone healthy, uh, we've seen the Revs do a good job of breaking down defenses and getting that last pass in, but it really wasn't there last night. Well, I don't know about lucky bounces. You know, you could say that about the first RSL goal yeah. too. Like, but they were both balls played from deep, and when you play it into into the danger area, you know, there's a reason they call it the mixer or the vital area or the danger zone. You know, things happen, and you know, the second goal, uh, you know, when when Twelman scored, I don't, I'm not sure I agree with that. You know, the ball was passed to Jeff Laurentowitz. He was allowed to turn and close down by Beckerman pretty quickly, and Beckerman, you know, sort of skimmed off his foot. Twelman picked it up and drove into the vital area, made a half a yard for himself, and and, and struck. I thought it was a pretty well worked goal, even though there's a certain amount of luck involved. Yeah, because you know Beckerman doesn't doesn't get a complete clearance on it, but you know it, it is reasonably you know orchestrated approach play. And, uh, you know, same thing with, with, uh, Joseph. If we're going to criticize him for when they lump balls forward and it doesn't work, you have to give him credit for it being a consistent tactic when it does work. And it was, a, you know, a well-weighted ball floated. Uh, Shari can drop those passes within a, you know, two-foot area where he wants to do it. And so, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't completely agree with that other than to say I agree that the service from the flanks has not been consistent for the refs. They don't have great crossers of the ball other than Steve Ralston. And Ralston doesn't have the pace to turn the corner on anybody. So, you know, when San Iniasi, you know, like San can cross the ball, he's just been in a really bad patch. And we know that Connor Smith is sort of great and terrible. He had a terrific cross in the first half that just missed Taylor Twelman. Uh, so it's not like there were no good crosses. It's just that, you know, there wasn't quite enough of it. Yeah, I think Castro, too, is another guy who can cross the ball really well. Yeah, I'll agree with More that, so yeah. on the left flank, though, than on the right flank. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And again, like like Ralston, he doesn't really have that turn of pace to, to you know, to get around a defender and get to the end line. But what he can do is play, you know, an intelligent early ball in and with with accuracy. And that's what Raleigh has to do as well. I like Ralston in the middle. I think they're the, the you know the best eleven for the Revs is, is a three-five-two. You know, with the red and red guys behind uh, behind Ralston, and I like Niasi as a starter. Because um, I think you know, why not have the left side tortured by his speed for 60 minutes instead of just 10 or 15 minutes? And Brad, one thing that um, that we had mentioned was was on the wings to play on the wings, and I think one great one great substitution was bringing in uh, Mauricio Castro for Niasi. And it seems like you know Castro when he when he comes off the bench as a sub just seems to kind of give them more life. I mean, you know, he's traditionally been a starter the whole, the whole year, but it seems like he gave them kind of an, an added dimension. Um, you know, when coming on for Niasi, can you just kind of go into like what your feelings are as far as you know that that kind of option to have maybe going into the playoffs? Yeah, you know, I, well, I think because it worked last night, you may see it again, and he can play on either flank. I think uh, the you know, Greg noticed that you know you know you could see the Castro who is at this point sort you know a little bit of a you know old pro kind of a veteran. He came out and he immediately you know started chattering, clapping his hands, trying to make a positive impact. And I think that you know what he doesn't have, which somebody like Niasi has coming off the bench, or even a Wells Thompson or a Connor Smith, who used to have that sort of super sub role, is that speed. And what the Revs coaches like to do is when the, the opposing uh, wingbacks or, or outside defenders are starting to get tired, they love to bring speed off the bench. Castro has quickness, but he doesn't have outright speed. What he does have is game savvy, the ability to control possession and control the ball, and he's a good passer. Uh, I wish for both Mauricio's sake and for the Revs' sake that he had more production numbers this year. You know what I mean? Because, you know, if so, you would say he's a terrific signing. You know what I mean? To me, right now, I would take Mauricio Castro on my team over Ivan Guerrero, except Guerrero still seems to put up assist numbers, and for some reason it hasn't 
worked out that way for Mauricio. I don't think he needs to score goals, but you would have expected him to have somewhere between five and eight or ten even. That's uh, maybe asking for too much assist, given the fact that he started with 19 games this season. But I do think, Brian, that it, you know, he did show some spark off the bench. But you know, what the co- coaches will tell you is horses for courses, that it's not a set-in-stone sort of thing. That you know, He could be a starter next week. He could not play at all next week. You know, it, it really depends on how the... Uh, you know how things shake out, and uh, you know, but I do think he acquitted himself well coming off the bench, and that you know the two substitutions, as I said at the top of the show, were, were, were game changers. You know, like if you you know, even though uh, Morales made that beautiful pass to Andy Williams, the, 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 the field was already starting to point towards the uh, you know tilt down towards the the Real Salt Lake goal uh, around the time that Mensali came on in the 69th minute. And I think that's a great point talking about uh, Caster off the bench and his stats there. But uh, overall, even when he wasn't that productive at the beginning of the season, stats-wise, I thought he was playing extremely well. Maybe tamp- tapered off a bit towards the end of the season, um, where his play wasn't wasn't quite so great. But I think as a sub role, he's looked good. Um, I know Nickel talked about maybe him hitting the wall, having you know going to all this traveling that he hasn't been used to. But even with the rest, I don't think he looked as good in the past few games. But uh, is this is this coming off a bench um, going to be something that we see more from him and? Uh, maybe uh, like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't, even, I don't, even over Wells Thompson now at this point. Uh, yeah, I well, you know, the week before, you know, I said, uh, what, you know, I was surprised to see that uh, that Wells Thompson did get the nod over over Mauricio Castro. You know, yeah. what I mean, like I for me, you know, Wells, you know, occasionally, and, and uh, yeah, Wells did actually have a good performance against Columbus coming off the bench, but he has been very, very inconsistent and. Uh, you know, but what he has is is the wheels, and I think, and like I said, my previous comment show, I just think it's the expression of "horses for courses" means you know, sort of styles make fights. You know, it depends, you know, on the situation, uh, you know, in terms of what personnel they're going to use, and they may not always see it, the coaches, the way you and I do, you know. And so, while I think, yeah, last night it looked good, I don't think that you, you know, knowing Steve Nichol, he's not going to say, well, yeah, now he's my man coming off the bench in minute seventy three or whatever it was for. For uh, for Niasi on the right side, I just don't think that there's going to be any sort of enforced pattern. I think it's going to be the situation that dictates that. And kind of changing the subject a bit, I know uh, listening to the broadcast last night, so, night, I believe you mentioned that the Revs uh, at home were, I think, 4-1-2 and two against um, Western Conference opposition or something like that. Um, so against Eastern Conference composition, they actually have a losing record at home. Is that at all worrying with uh, just three games left of the playoffs that you know, the Revs have done better against these teams that they're Probably not going to see to the, to the final of the uh, MLS Cup if they make it uh, than the teams that they're going to be playing to get there. Yes, <laughs> I would say yes. It is worrying because your most likely opponent, the way things are shaking out right now with three games to go, is the Chicago Fire. You know they drew one-one with uh, Kansas City today, which made it look even more likely that uh, New England and the Fire are going to to play in the conference semifinals, the first round of the playoffs in a two-game set. Uh, and Chicago absolutely had New England's number this year. They swept a series of, what was it, combined 9-2 to two in goals, you know. Uh, that's not who, <laughs> if you're the Reds, you want to see. You know, uh, Columbus, at least you beat them once, you know what I mean. Um, you know, New York, they split the series, right, two, two draws. And uh, D.C., we'll see what happens on, on uh, Thursday next, but, you know, D.C. Is, is flagging right now. The team that you most want to avoid if you're the Reds or the Chicago Fire, and, you know, they, they spank you at home. So, uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you say to that? It's, 
It doesn't look great. The only thing is the Chicago of, of uh, October does not look like the Chicago of July. And, uh, you know, as great a player as Brian McBride has been, around the time the A.A. signed him, and I'm not saying it's his fault, because I think it has to do with some other inconsistencies that they've had, but they have not been as good a team, you know. And you know, they've certainly not been as consistent a team as they were in the early part of the season. And so... You know, I think anything could happen. It's almost, in some ways, better that the Reds, you know, didn't get a result against them because they've got something to prove now. Whereas Chicago, I think, you know, really had the bit between their teeth for for the Revs in particular. You know, they, they knocked them out of the playoffs the last couple of years, and you know, there, there was really a bad feeling, you know, that that uh, Dennis Hamill was able to conjure up in his guys that you know these are the guys who who kept you out of the MLS Cup the last couple of years. So. You know, really, was it three years in a row? Yeah, because they, they, they beat him in the conference semifinals uh, uh, the year before that, you know, and uh, so you know, they they don't like the Revs. But now I think the Revs can sort of turn that back around on Chicago after getting swept. So in the end, the regular season's not going to matter as long as the Revs take care of business. You know what I mean? They, they have uh, two road games that won't be easy in conference. Uh, but, you know, you'd like to think the Revs could get a win and a draw between those two games or at least two draws and then come home and beat Kansas City. If you can get five points out of the remaining nine, you're de- I, you're pretty, I think there's a very good chance you get the, sec- the second seed and, and home field advantage. And, Brad, just, uh, you know, say, say we do see uh, another Chicago-New uh, England semifinals. Uh, what kind of adjustments do you think the Revs will have to make? Um, you know, do they stick with the three, uh, three, five, two? Do they, uh, do they go to the four, four, two? I mean, what, what kind of, what kind of adjustments do you think they make after, you know, the, uh, the lopsided results this year against Chicago? What kind of adjustments do you think they, they'll need to make, uh, should they face them in the, in the playoffs? I don't know, Brian. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm a little bit, you know, I've spent enough time around, uh, Stevie and Paul, the Revs coaching staff now to say that, you know, looking that far ahead is probably premature, mm-hmm. but, you know, I would say this, you know, Three five two is definitely the system the Reds are best suited for. Although it is, for me, kind of disappointing that Gabriel Badia is sort of the odd man out. I'm not saying that he sh- shouldn't be because you sort of have to earn your way, you know, into that lineup. Uh, who do you take out, Albright or Heaps? You know, I'll let you be the one to say who you would uh, take <laughs> off the field. But um, you know, you know, I think Jay, let, let me just say this: I don't think Albright's been bad this year. I think that Jay Heaps is, is you know has picked his play up a notch from where it was a year ago. And so, you know, I think it would be very tough to take him out of the mix. But, you know, this is the thing. Michael Parkhurst, as tough as Brian McBride is, Michael Parkhurst actually does better, I think, against forwards like Brian McBride or Juan Pablo Angel than he does against, like, an Alejandro Moreno. You know, when it just turns into a wrestling match, that's not really Parkhurst's strength, although he did a pretty good job. He got physical with your most on one play that I can remember last night, actually out-muscled him and beat him to the ball. But, you know, over 90 minutes, you know, I don't know if you saw the television broadcast from last night, but uh, Greg Lawless did a, a little breakdown in the, in the open and showed how he gets isolated in the 4-4-2 and, you know, sort of dragged out of the middle um, with somebody like Moreno, where, you know, whereas when they went to go back to the three, he's more managing space and marking space. And that's really his game. And he, what he'll do is he'll bump up against an Angel or a McBride for an aerial challenge. And then instead of trying to leap over him like, you know, a Nat Borchers or a, a Chad Marshall would do on Taylor Twelman, he just tr- sort of drops off and picks up the second ball. It's like, okay, you have the flick on header, and I'll get there. If you knock it down, you know, I'll compress the space. If you, if you flick it on in behind me, I'm already anticipating that, and I know where it goes. it's going before you do. And so if you're, t- you know, it, so then... 
the question becomes, you know, on on the wings, can the res match up with the speed of Map and and the quickness of somebody like Thorington, and can you close down, you know, Kotelnik Blanco, who, you know, by all reports, I don't watch Chicago every week, has tailed off in the second half of the season as you'd expect from somebody his age. So, I think the revs will make some adjustments, but you know, you have to see who's healthy. You know, three four weeks from now. Uh, and, you know, you got to remember that Chicago is not the same team that, that you last saw. When was, when was the last time they played Chicago? August the 9th? Yep. Right? So that's two months ago already. I think it's also fair to say that that game, August the 9th, was the uh, best the Revs have played against Chicago this year uh, up until the, the end there when they gave up the, I think it was two fairly late goals that they gave up. Yeah. They had mm-hmm. really been the better of the two teams. And, of course, that game was just three or four days after the Super League, Super League final that went into penalty kicks. Um, and that was right. You could say that the end of the Chicago game was the beginning of that August swoon when all of a sudden their legs went. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that, that last third of that, that August 9th game, and the Reds weren't really right for the next month. Yeah, and uh, Certainly, of, of the games against the Chicago Fire, I think it's fair to say that that was the... No, I agree. The, I, I agree with that. But, uh, no, I would say of the games against the Chicago Fire, other than the, uh, other than the last you know, quarter of the game or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I think that you know the the red card really affected that that four nothing game in the opener. You know that was that was I, I was almost a wash. And you know the second hiding they took uh, against Chicago, I, I'm more inclined on May third. Um, they got their hats handed to them at home in that game. Uh, but you know, look at the dates on April third, uh, May third. Those games are a lifetime ago. You know, in soccer terms. You know, what I mean, like that's that's it feels like. You know, it could have as easily been 2007 that those games were played. And so, yeah, I don't think the Revs, you know, but if you're talking about statistics, yeah, the Revs haven't been good at home against Eastern Conference opponents. They haven't been good against Chicago. So is it worrying? I say, yeah, on a certain level it is. But do I think the Revs can beat the Chicago Fire in a two-game home-and-home series? Absolutely. And they'll also help a lot to have Michael Parkhurst in the lineup, which they didn't in (laughs) in, uh, that game, too. And certainly, I think I think this is a Revs team that when everyone comes, everything comes together, as we saw at the beginning of the year, uh, they're a really good team. It's just a matter of you know, can these guys all get back in form and get back into shape in these last three games and build some momentum going into the playoffs. And it's it's going to be difficult with the schedule they have, uh, as you mentioned, against Kansas City, against DC on the road, and then back against Kansas City. Um, those are three games where uh, the teams they're facing really need to win to have a good chance of actually making the playoffs. Those are teams fighting for their playoff lives. Well, the Revs basically uh, t- take a disaster um, and lots of other results going wrong for the Revs not to make the playoffs. I think that's right. But the- yeah, I think that, I think that while the Revs may not be like backs to the wall desperate, I think you could also say that the Revs are going to have motivation because you yeah. know they they can't contribute to that you know kind of disaster scenario that you allude to, Sean. <laughs> they got to pick up points here. I think if they get even two points out of the remaining nine, that they're very it's pretty safe. But you know, like I think I think. Psychologically, what, what they don't want to do is slip into the third or fourth position. I think as long as they're able, no matter what their record is over these last three games, if they're able to keep the second position and have home field advantage, they're going to feel like it's been a reasonably successful season. They're not going to have gotten the supporters' shield by you know. What has? To, I think they have to win three, and Columbus has to lose three for yeah. them to win supporters' shield. That's unlikely, but uh, you know. You don't want to slouch into the playoffs. At the same time, we've seen people do it and have successful playoff runs. So, you know, there, there's no there's no absolute formula, and especially with the number of veterans on this team, I think the main thing is to be fresh and injury free, and to have guys who are you know 
ready to go that first week in November. You know, like that's really what you want because all you have to do is win three games. All you have to do is win three games to win MLS Cup. You make the playoffs. You, you know, you can get a draw or a loss in one of those opening two games. You know, and you get through the first round in aggregate or penalties, and then you know, and then it's two more games. You know, it, it, like it's it, you know, and and that's what we we've, we've seen. We've seen the uh, the Revs have remarkable regular seasons, and it crashes down in disappointment. We've seen them sort of you know back into the postseason and it ends in disappointment. Yeah. They got to they got to win three games, including the last one, and it'll be a successful season. Otherwise, they'll be they'll be bummed again. That's it. And last week we were talking about uh, the one key looking forward to this playoffs, and we came across that or we came up with that. We thought it was Kelly Dubé and how he played. Um, looking back at the season, the t- Kelly Dubé had played pretty well with Twelman and the chances they had uh, when both were healthy and in form. I didn't think Dubé certainly looked his best last night. Um, how, how important do you think that is that they build a partnership up top? We've seen Twelman and, and Noonan how well they've done in the past and how much that has helped the Revs. How important is uh, Dubé being a good partner for Twelman? Um, going into the playoffs, and what what kind of factor does that have? I, th- I think it is important. I think you've identified a, a really uh, crucial, uh, impactful uh, sort of personnel issue that they've had for the last uh, two months. That you know, Kelly Dubé is the forward who has shown the best ability to hold the ball out of everybody uh, that they have in their forward playing staff. Uh, he didn't do it very well last night, but this is his first start since August fifth. And, uh, you know, I think it's a matter of fitness and sharpness, and uh, he's going to get that ability back. Um, I think if that, you know, that chance falls to him two and a half months ago, uh, you know, the one in the fifth minute, uh, Dubé will probably bury it or at least put it on target. Uh, but the main thing is that the revolution, when they can play the ball into a forward and know that it's going to stick, that he's not going to lose that ball, then whether you're playing a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2, then the outside guys can get forward. Then a defender like a Jay Heaps or a Chris Albright can cheat up and support you know the midfield and, and the attack and maybe make an overlapping run. If they know that it goes into one of the forwards and it gets coughed up and just ricochets off the guy with his back to the goal uh, and goes to the opposing team, then you can't you push those guys into the attack because you know that it, you know the play is coming back the other way. And Dubé has the ability to do that. Whether or not he's producing goals. Uh, you know, I, I think that you can see just from the body language that t- Taylor Twelve in you know sometimes you can see it on television, and certainly when you're at the game, when Sonny Niasi or, or Kenny Mansali don't make the right run or the right pass, or they make the right pass at the wrong time, and they don't read Taylor Twelman's runs in the box, he gets very frustrated. And you see the palms to the sky, and even the occasional scolding or ticking off. That's his right as a senior pro to do that. You know, it's on-the-job training for these 19-year-old guys. Kelly Dubé, even though he's a rookie, he's 25. And he's a much more seasoned, intelligent soccer mind in terms of his the evolution of his game and the intelligence of his game. It's not just that he defers to Taylor Twelman; it's that he compliments and supports him, and he keeps the whole team playing. So Steve Ralston knows that if he makes a sharp-angled pass to Dubé's feet, that he'll take that crucial, clean first touch and then lay it off and peel off and make the right run uh, in sync most of the time with what Twelman's doing. And that's really the difference. Like, I love Kenny Mansali's abilities, and I think that Mansali in the long run, if he stays healthy, may end up being a better player than, than Kelly Dubé. But Dubé is six years older, almost, than, than Kenny Mansali, and therein the difference lies right now. And I know you got to get going, but before we let you go, I know we ta- had you on earlier on this year and talked about the stuff that you can get at revolutionsoccer.net. The, uh, I know you host Internet radio show on there there's revs rap after the games now and uh, there's also lots of other content what 
what can uh, fans expect in these upcoming weeks leading to the playoffs? Um, from well, you, you want to hear something funny? The, the, most, the most viewed video in RevolutionSoccer.net history is that uh, pie-in-the-face prank that's now on YouTube. <laughs> uh, like, much more than any of the soccer content. So if you want to have your, your laughs at my expense, uh, I encourage you to keep those numbers uh, going up. Uh, yeah, there's going to be uh, a really cool sort of microsite launched in advance of, of the... Uh, of the, the playoff drive that's that's going to be worth I don't want to spoil the surprise, but we have some pretty candid comments from uh, mostly the res veterans, but we're going to talk to all of the, the, the guys about, you know, what MLS Cup means to them. And it really is some of his pretty, you know, uh, candid, affecting uh, commentary from the guys who have lived through these, uh, these uh, finals losses and, and just how much they want to win it this year. So that will be really good content. Uh, ResRap's been great this year, I think, in terms of keeping people engaged after the game, getting more analysis and post-game commentary. Um, and, you know, so, you know, it, I would just encourage people to graze. You know, I do my broadcast booth bits uh, uh, blog every week, and we get some feedback from that. People debate tactics with me or, you know, correct me or whatever it is, and it's all good stuff. Uh, you know, the whole thing is we want people to participate in the club, have their voices heard. Uh, have the you know the coverage like your show here, Sean. That, that you know sort of complements the limited coverage in some of the mainstream sports media. But uh, you know that's what it's all about. And in this day and age, you know we're we're able to you know to do that. But you know we're I'm all for critical emails and uh, people challenging the sort of conventional wisdom. That that, that feedback's what it's all about. Uh, one thing I do want to clarify is a, one comment I made on the air last night. I'm not sure anybody who cares is, is necessarily listening. It was the Utah fans mostly who were against, against me on this. But Kenny Juker, they call him Dr. Goals. I sort of harsh on him. I said he's not a doctor and he doesn't score goals. So I can call him Dr. Goals or something, something to that effect. He is a doctor in, in, in terms of the way doctors are you know, sort of classified in the United Kingdom, which is obviously, you know, uh, an advanced, uh, developed, civilized nation that has a good medical system. Here, it would be more, you know, a medical practitioner is probably more like, sort of, not quite, you know, maybe somewhere beyond between a nurse, nurse practitioner and an MD. He's not a full MD, but he is a doctor in the parlance of the UK. So I misspoke, and I, you know, he's still not scoring a lot of goals, though. Well, well, so anyway, after those two misses last night, I can't really disagree with you about the not scoring go. goals. Call him doctor, but maybe not doctor goals. How do you like that? Well, thanks a lot, Brad, and keep up the uh, great work. Appreciate you having me on, guys. We are going to take a uh, quick break here, and I'll be back with um, some more Revolution Recap, including some post-game comments from Steve Nickel, uh, Steve Ross, and Taylor Twelman, and Shari Joseph on um, last night's matchup. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. The 
National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined in the studio by Brian O'Connell from New England Soccer News. Um, looking back at the Revolution's performance last night, a 2-2 draw. Uh, now leaves the Revs 2-4-4 four, and four in their last 10 games, uh, which is the worst record um, over the last 10 games of any team other than the Los Angeles Galaxy. Um, speaking of form heading into the playoffs, uh, they really want to ch- turn things around um, in these next three games. Yeah, definitely. It's um, you know, last night it was encouraging to see them, you know, get those la- those two goals in the, in the last 15 minutes. Uh, you know, I know I know Brad had said something to the effect at the end of the broadcast that you know it was like a win because they were down by two goals. So I mean that I mean that definitely helps boost morale. So, um, you know, they just have to kind of keep doing that. I mean, and then you mentioned, you know, getting getting out of the gates early and, and scoring rather than playing from behind. It's much, obviously, much easier to play when you're ahead than than behind. But um, but then again, there's also the motivation factor. If you're down, if you're down a goal, you're down two goals. The motivation to really, you know, get things together and get focused at the end of the game is really is really there. So I mean, you hope that they can kind of take the motive, take the momentum from that game and kind of apply it. Uh, going next week at, at Kansas City, so uh, you know at Kansas City, obviously one of the more, one of the weaker teams in the Eastern Conference. But then again, like you had mentioned, you know our, our, their 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 record against uh, the Eastern Conference isn't that great. So uh, you know nothing's a given at this point. And you got the chance after the game to talk to, as I said, Nickel, Ralston, Twelman, and Joseph. Um, uh, and some of those points that you just mentioned with Ralston and Joseph on getting off to these slow starts. Mm-hmm. I know we talked to Joseph all, se- Joseph all season long about you know the slow starts and you know, what can they can do to change that. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first we have Steve Nickel, and he comments on you know, just what you were saying, uh, how, how the revs, it really felt like a win, to look more like a point one than two, than two points lost with how that game was going in the 70th minute. Is it uh, for a point game with the way that game was going? 2-0, it's absolutely a point game. Um, the goals we gave away are horrendous. You know, you can't you can't give goals away like that. You know, we just we tried to pass it and we tried to do the right things, but we were just off. You know, and uh, we went. I mean, that's it. Basically, we, we tried to do the right things, but we, we were just half a yard short, or you know, a pass was just a yard too far in front or too far behind. You know, we just we just weren't quite at it. Um, but you see, you see what the character of the team is. You know, two 0 down at home, twenty minutes to go. Don't give up. We end up with we end up with a point and nearly steal it. So we can't be too disappointed uh, from being two 0 down. Probably not the tempo you wanted, at least in the first half. No, no. I mean they they they, they kind of outworked us in the first half. You know they put a lot into it. They defended well. They got people back in numbers uh, and tried to you know get long balls and getting getting behind us. Um, uh, and I just kind of said there that you know our passing wasn't on. We, we were either half a yard ahead or half a yard behind with the ball, which which made us stutter. And then we give we give bad goals away. You know, you give bad goals away. Then I mean, they end up with a couple of other chances, but that's only because we're, we're chasing the game. You know, we, we have to open up and take gambles and chances. And uh, we almost stole it at the end, but we, we probably didn't deserve to win the game. Well, I mean, even on the two goals, the, those passes weren't... Like, I mean, if the yeah. passes had gone where they were supposed to, those goals don't happen. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, but that's down to individual ability. Um, and, you know, that's, it's always good when you have people that are capable of doing that. Um, again, the character, no question about the character of the players. Uh, but we have to tighten up, you know, we have to, we have to do the, the small things better. Can you talk about just how critical it is to, to come away with, with the point after being down 2 Well, I think it's I think it's huge, the fact that we're 2-0 down at home and we come we come away with, with a point and almost steal it. Um, it just tells you that we're never, we're never done and it's, it's a, another reminder to the players as a group that they're showing that they're never done and you can never count them out. And that was Revolution head coach Steve Nichol on last night's performance. Um, as I said, obviously happy to get the 2-2 draw with being down two to nothing at the 73rd minute in that game, certainly a great comeback from the Revs, and you know showed great character there. Should should certainly be a boost for them going forward to get those two points. I mean, to get that point out of the game after scoring those two late goals and a comeback. But uh, again, a, a slow start leads to them trying to claw back from behind. And what wasn't what, disappointing to see the Revs in the 73rd minute at at home losing yeah. two nothing to Salt Lake City, uh, a team that's been that did good at the start of the season, but now. Um, it hasn't been doing so well, really. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Brad even referenced that they're they're really an improved team. Um, you know, Jason Christ has really done. You know, given less than two years, I mean, he's really brought in this team pretty much from the basement of not just you know the Western Conference, but basically the basement of of the entire table aside from Toronto. So I mean. I mean, just, just, uh, I know we had talked about it at this time last year, Sean, you know, about how, you know, how far RSL was really from competing, you know, given all, given all the, uh, the changes and all the, all the youth and, you know, obviously Christ being on, uh, being named head coach at the, be- at the beginning of last year. So, I mean, he's really done, he's really done an impressive job, uh, all things considered. So, um, and then when you take that into context with the fact that the Revs have, oh, I mean, for whatever reason, RSL has always given the Revs trouble. At home away, it doesn't matter. I mean, they've always given them trouble. So, you know, I was, you know, watching the game yesterday. I just, I, it was like, oh no, more of the same. You know, RSL giving us trouble, and they, and, and they still gave the Revs trouble. But at the same time, it was good to see. It was good to see the uh, Revs come back with those two quick goals. Um, you know, from uh, from from Twelman and Rawson and stuff. So, I mean, it, that was good to see. Um, you know, Nickel referenced that the, the two goals that uh, Rail scored. I mean, they were kind of fluky goals, and they were. I mean, you know, the first one, obviously, you know, you know, uh, Reese is caught well off his line, and it's just kind of, you know, uh, Javier Morales just per- finished it perfectly. I mean, he just sailed it right in. Um, and then obviously the one with uh, with Andy Williams. I mean, you just see uh, you just see Jay Heaps way out of position. That rarely rarely happens. Do you see Jay Heaps out of position? And you know, just just Andy Williams just coming in and just banging yeah, a quality shot. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, uh, I know we we had just talked about. It. I mean, there really wasn't any bad goals in that game. All four of those goals were were very very good goals, high caliber goals. So. Um, you know, it, it was, it's encouraging to see the Revs actually, you know, get those two, get, get those two goals, you know, save a point and, you know, hopefully take that momentum going forward. Yeah, and talking about the goals and the, the great mm. ones, Steve Rawson had another, had a great one for the Revs. His, oh, yeah. His, uh, league, his team leading eighth goal of the season and also, which is a career high for him. <laughs> Interesting to see him getting a career high at age 34. <laughs> leading the team now in goals and assists, though, Schwalman right behind him in goals with his seventh later on. But we did talk to both, both goal scorers last night. And uh, we have Steve Rawson's comments on what he saw in that goal and on the game overall. You know, going in there 2-0, um, and then you guys come up with those two goals for the end. I mean, just how important it is to, sh- to show that you can come back and, and get those. Yeah, I guess it's nice moving forward, you know, showing that we can, you know, keep fighting. Um, obviously, going down 2-0 in the 75th minute, um, it's, it's a big hill to, to climb, but tonight we are able to do it a little bit. Obviously, we would like to have get gotten three points. You know, seeing that I think DC lost. And I don't know the final. Yeah. New York was they lost as well. It's a little bit nice to clinch a playoff spot tonight. But um, you know, I think 
I think we have to come out, you know, a little bit more more pressure on, on them. And I felt tonight we just try to go out and play. I feel like this team at home, we should be the aggressors and try and dictate the game and put them under pressure. And we didn't do that until until late in the game when we were down. We had to. So. In the first half, what were you seeing there? Um, I mean, passing wise, or some of the things going on, especially there in the midfield. Yeah, it was tight. Obviously, they do a good job. Uh, Beckerman, Morales um, did a good job. The two outside guys pinched in quite a bit and closed the space down. They, they uh, you know, they worked hard and closed the gaps. And I think if we could have found a little more space with the top, I think you know, playing a few more balls with the top would have kept them a little bit more honest, and we could have played a little bit more. But we, you know, we didn't do that. We tried to force a few things. Can you talk about what happened on the goal? Um, like the yeah, lucky bounce. I think Connor crossed it and, uh, you know, just kind of bounced, set up right right to me. So it's pretty fortunate. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of guys in the box, and it kind of snuck through there. I might take a deflection. So, uh, you know, I'll take it, though. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, it seemed like another slow start uh, at home. What can you do with three games remaining to kind of change that going into the Well, we only, yeah, we only have one more home game. Obviously, you know, this year we haven't played our best games at home. We haven't, you know, like previous years, we've we've gotten on teams early, and I feel like we've we've been trying to fight and claw and get back into games every time we're playing at home. So, um, you know, we have to look forward to Kansas City now. We're playing uh, playing away, so hope we can get a good result there, get in the playoffs. We don't want to we don't want to crawl in the playoffs. We want to you know go in on a, on a high note and play well and. Uh, get some good results. Give that second seed important to you guys. Um, honestly, I don't think there's much of a difference in, in, in the first in the first leg of it. It's a home and away. I mean, it's I, I think it's more important for the semis. And right now, it doesn't look like we're going to catch Columbus. So um, obviously, we, we want to win every game we play. So um, second, be all right. That was Revolution captain Steve Rawson, who, as you mentioned, scored his eighth goal of the season um, last night. We also heard from Taylor Twelman, and, uh, who also scored an excellent goal from the top of the box, picked up the ball there, took a few steps to clear some space, and somehow managed to get it through several yeah. defenders. And <laughs> I, I, I think that was did partly catch Nick Romando off guard, um, getting it through all those defenders and par- probably shielding his view. Mm. Uh, but we heard from Twelman last night and his thoughts on the performance. Disappointed to see the Revs come, start out slow, but also happy to see them come back and happy to get that goal uh, at the end. I guess first off, just talk about getting the two goals late. Um, yeah, I mean, this team is uh, resilient. We fought through a lot, but uh, we got figured out. You know, we're giving up way too many chances. And, uh, you know, from an offensive standpoint, we're not creating anything. You know, it took, I think that was the first shot for me in whatever it was, 75th, 76 minutes. And Ralston and I were talking, we just got figured out mm-hmm. quickly. It just there's just no continuity. You know, we got to start playing two touch, move the ball, get everyone involved. Otherwise, you start, you know, losing your spots, and uh, it becomes very methodical, so to speak. You know, and right now we got to figure it out. Do you feel like it was getting more to that point towards the end there in the last 20 minutes, or was there a, pl- a spot? That well, you I mean, felt like, or... you throw the chips in the wind when you're down two nothing. Sure. You say screw it. Sure. And uh, fortunately for us, we, you know. I thought I had a second one. You know, the guy made a good clearance off the line, but it's just we got to figure it out mm-hmm. as collectively it's a whole, as a whole. It's not just our defense. You know, it's everyone. You know, we're not playing great defense, and we're not playing, we're not doing anything offensively. Mm-hmm. We guys, you know, Ralston scored a good goal, but it's off a clearance, and you know, same with mine. So I mean, it's not stuff that you guys are creating from the run of play. I mean, it's it's not. It's, it's balance. I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard. 
it's uh you know and i talked with paul afterwards we're gonna work on some stuff because we got to get back to where we're playing two touch moving the ball and getting people open otherwise when you're not involved it's tough is there a game that you can think of that you feel like you were at that point earlier? I know you came back there, but is there something that the time where you feel like this is when we were doing it and doing it? No. Are you still kind of? I think we're still trying to just, you know, well, for, it's hard for me right. just because I went through, I missed the first six, seven months. Right. Um, I think it was just, uh, you know, we've had injuries. We're trying to get, we're getting everybody healthy, but we get three games left. You know, and so not enough be said. We gotta, we gotta figure it out, clean it up, so to speak, and uh, take our heads out of our rear ends and get get it together. Again, that was Revolution striker Taylor Twalman, who scored his seventh goal of the season last night. Um, seven goals for Twalman after missing so much of the season. Yeah. Not not a bad stat line for him. And it was great, great that the Revs came back on this one. And Twalman really almost had a had a, a winning goal late in that game with that diving header that yeah. Nat Fortress managed to clear off the line. Yep. Which would have would have probably made Andy Williams feel pretty bad about that stupid red card he picked up late in the game. <laughs> yeah. um, really unnecessary. Which is also a point we hadn't talked about yet. Williams taking down Jay Heaps with the stupid yeah. tackle. Yeah. Again, an unnecessary tackle yeah. on that end of the field. I'm not sure why he didn't get an immediate yellow card. Probably would have calmed down the situation. It, but then screamed at Jay Heaps after he tackled him. Heaps got up. Heaps obviously not one for back down from a challenge. <laughs> and. Andy Williams then shoved him to the ground right in front of the referee. Not not a smart decision by Williams. Um, from a veteran player like him, it's surprising to see that out of him. Uh, obviously, we know from the past and his time with the Revs that he didn't always keep the, the calmest head on the field or off the field, but really could have helped the Revs there, and they almost got that, that game-winning goal by Twelm, and certainly I think that was a, a factor on yeah. some of those chances the Revs had late in the game. Yeah, and I mean, you, you just have two veteran guys, and, and you know, it's funny because you talk about Jay Heaps getting back up and getting in Andy Williams' face and just kind of, you know, he almost baited him, and it worked. I mean, it really worked. So, I mean, you know, Jay Heaps, as as much as fiery as he is, he knows what he's doing, at the, I think, in that kind of circumstance where he's he's definitely saying, you know, if you're going to come at me, come at me, and you're going to you're gonna pay the consequence. The, uh, the ref was like, you know, not even, you know, uh, uh, three yards away. So, I mean, that, it was a smart play on Jay's part. Obviously, you know, he draws the yellow, but, you know, the, the you know, the aggregate is that is that Andy Williams gets, gets booted in. And, um, you know, it, it could have led to that game-winning goal from from Tolman. So, uh, you know, <laughs> lucky that uh, lucky that th- that didn't happen for uh, Rail Salt Lake's part. And I, I think it's fair to say, too, talking about the, the refereeing in this game, it's a bit inconsistent. Mm. You saw Nickel yelling a lot. After the game, none of the players or the coaches were really going to talk about that because of the, mm. the great comeback they had. But that the refereeing, I, I will say it here, I think was pretty pretty inconsistent going mm. there. Four yellow cards in the first uh, 21 minutes. And then after that, there were a lot of tackles that probably could have been carded, but there wasn't another one to Andy Williams was ejected in the 92nd minute. Um, certainly, I think Andy Williams' tackle was just as bad as the one Sonny Niasi was yellow carded for in yeah. just the ninth minute. And if it's, a, if it's a yellow card in the ninth minute, it's certainly a yellow card in the 92nd yeah. minute that late in the game. And I, I think that contributed a bit to what happened there. The referee didn't really have control of the game there. Yeah, it, it's tough because I mean, I, I guess you know, and I've never refereed in my life, but um, but I guess you know, the the mentality is that you 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 issue that those many yellows, you know, that early in the game, you kind of maybe you become cognizant of the fact that maybe you've given out one too many or a couple too many, so so you compensate for not giving out you know yellows until it's absolutely necessary, and obviously the next time that was absolutely necessary was uh, the whole Andy Williams Jay Heaps incident. So you know, you really you really don't want it to you really don't want it to come to that, but you know, you may mentioned a great point there has to be some consistency i know that you and i have talked about it in the press box that there have just been times where you know it just you might as well 
not have a ref on the field sometimes because it just, you know, it's, it happens more often than it should. You know, most of the time, refereeing's pretty quality, but, you know, there are times where it's glaring. And I think last night was a, was an example of, of the, you know, a lot, of, a lot to be desired as far as refereeing. Goes. Yeah, and there were questionable decisions on corner kicks and, mm. and throw-ins and, and, mm. and everything right across the board. And then Connell Smith getting a yellow card for, for uh, simulation in the box. Mm. Yes, he went down easily, but he was there was certainly lots of contact. He was tripped up. The people were pulling his shirt. Yeah. Um, he, he, he went down a lot in this game, let's be honest, but <laughs> especially early on. But uh, maybe he went down a few too many times that early in the game, but he mm. was getting fouled. He was getting you know, dragged down, and that, that's, that was a pretty harsh yellow card to give. And then you're at a point where if you give a second yellow card, hey, maybe this guy already has one. Yeah. You don't want to be quick to, to, to pull it out, and I think that was the case there, uh, especially Javier Morales, who scored that great goal at the beginning and also set up Andy Williams' goal. Yep. There was certainly a chance for him to be getting a second yellow card. I know. Yeah. I remember a time where he committed a pretty bad foul that probably was more deserving of the yellow that he got earlier on so yeah. i'm not sure it's the best strategy to keep pulling no. the cards out early and then you know then stopping you know yeah. after the 21st minute and waiting till it's at absolute necessity so again we see this all the time the refereeing in mls uh does leave a lot to be desired yeah it does and i mean you know you talk about Kano smith and you know the poor guy sometimes he, he he suffers from being the curse of the big man it's just you know if you if you if he's anywhere near any kind of incident it's usually the big guy that gets the you know the blame so unfortunately yeah, that's going to happen to him a few times. So, um, yeah, it's something that I think that MLS really, really needs to take a you know hard look at during the off season as far as how the refereeing goes and maybe reevaluating some of these guys because you know it they, like you had said it's, it leaves a lot to be desired as far as how how well managed these games are how well refereed these games are um, from the from the official standpoint. So. You know, hopefully, you know, it really didn't have a huge impact on the game. It almost did with uh, with Andy Williams being carded. And I mean, obviously, that was deserved. That goes without saying. But you hope that going out, uh, going forward, that doesn't present it doesn't present a problem to where uh, you know it affects one team's chances in the playoffs, or it affects you know the you know the momentum of a game un- unjustly, you know, in a critical you know uh, regular season last final regular season game or in uh, or in the playoffs. And, and early yellow cards do have a. Uh a big impact, even if it's not a noticeable mm. one. Where say Kano Smith gets the yellow card for diving, yeah. um, which I don't—I certainly don't think he deserved in that incident. And then runs back and you know tries to tackle somebody to stop a play. Mm. He can be ejected for that. And there was yeah. there was actually a chance there where uh, he did go into a tackle that was you know late and probably deserved a yellow card. Certainly more than than the earlier one he got. Yeah. Um, the referee didn't give give him one there. Um, certainly could have, and he could have been ejected, and that's where these early yellow cards play play a big impact. And to give one for, for something like that, um, Niasi, you could argue, deserved one for his tackle, mm. but it was inconsistent, and that was as a, as a direct result, I think, from those early yellow cards and not wanting to change the, what happened in the game um, by giving out a second. Yeah. Um, but we we do have one more comment from last night's game, this one from Shari Joseph, and uh, as we've mentioned earlier, we talked to him a lot about the, the slow starts this season and uh, got his take on it, and he also seemed a, a lot more um, enthused about trying to get this, this second seed than some of the other players and look, looked at it as an important important goal for the Revs to get that second seed and not to just clinch a playoff spot but to hold on to where they currently stand. It seems like we've been talking all season about getting off to quick starts at home, but again tonight you know, it didn't happen. What, what does this team need to do with just uh, one more home game and three games left until playoffs? Uh, yeah, it's very frustrating and disappointing that we started so slow, especially in front of our home crowd. But we showed a lot of character and will tonight coming back from 2 nothing down to get a point tonight. But at the end of the day, we know we still got three more games left before the playoff starts, and we want to pick up a position. We want to get in that playoff position early, so we got to get a, get them three points wherever it is next time on the road and just look forward to the next game. 
Do you guys have been switching back and forth between four four two and three five two? You think this is what you're gonna be sticking up on forward or mm-hmm. possibly more changes? Uh, that's all gonna be the coaching staff decision, but I mean we got the personnel we got the personal players to play whatever system they choose, so it's gonna be up to them. Uh, what do you take away from this game? The, the struggle of the first 77 or so minutes, or after that when things started happening, you guys played more inspired? Uh, we take, uh, we play uh, coming down from 2 nothing down. We, it shows that what we made of. It shows a lot of character and will on this team, but we can be going down 2 nothing, especially at home, and then fighting to come back and get a result. But at the end of the day, we still got a point, and we just got to look forward to the next game. Is it, is it important to you guys to get the second seed, or is it not really much of a difference between having the first game at home or the second game at home? I mean, some teams prefer the first game at home, but right now we definitely want to be a second seed, wrap up second place in the overall standing. So we got to start picking up points, and that's going to have to start next week because tonight we only got one. We need three next week to solidify our playoff spot. There's a stat that you guys have done much better against Western Conference opposition at home than the uh, guys in your own conference. Mean anything, especially seeing who you're going to be playing on for in the playoffs? Uh, it's going to be hard. No matter who we play in the playoffs, it's going to be hard. The playoffs is when they do or die. Teams don't give a lot in the playoffs, so whoever we play, we know it's going to be a battle or a struggle. Right now, we got to concentrate on getting a spot before we think about who we play. And that was Revs midfielder Shari Joseph and his thoughts on last night's game and the schedule going forward. We've talked a lot about the Revs schedule going forward, um, taking on Kansas City on the road this Saturday, then the following Thursday against D.C. on the road, and then coming back home on October 25th to face the Kansas City Wizards. Three teams that need wins mm. to get a playoff spot, um, certainly a lot more so than the Revs do. The Revs, of course, need wins to clinch the second place um, seed going into the playoffs. And looking at the Revs' schedule, very difficult. Chicago, just one point behind, in holds the tiebreaker, the head-to-head tiebreaker, um, because of how well they've done against yeah. the Revs this season yeah. going forward. So really going to be difficult for the Revs um, to to clinch the spot without um, doing getting at least a couple wins out of these last couple games. And looking at Chicago's schedule, they do have a very difficult schedule, as well as the Revs. Um, Columbus crew at home. Uh, Columbus 8-1-1 one, and one in the last 10 games. Not going to be an yeah. easy game for Chicago, <laughs> Colum- the way Columbus is playing, oh, no. so that should be very interesting. Although Columbus has basically locked up the supporter shield and in the playoff spot, so they don't have a lot to play for, hey, so right. that should make for a, a very interesting matchup. And then after that, they take on Toronto FC on the road, um, which is never an easy place to play, even though Toronto at this point is probably just playing for pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, do have an outside chance of making the playoffs. Haven't been eliminated yet, I believe, but um, all but mathematically eliminated at this point. I think they would need to win um, their last two or three games, two, two of their last three games, and for other teams to lose, or, or win three of their last, uh, all three of their last three games, yeah. which wouldn't be an easy task. <laughs> um, and then at home against the Red Bulls, which the Red Bulls, again, could be in a position where they need it's a must-win game for them to make the playoffs, and Chicago has already clinched. So not not an easy schedule for Chicago at all. Yeah, it, it's it's funny that, uh, you know, both both the Revs and, and and Chicago both, uh, you know, meet off, uh, have equally important, uh, you know, tough schedules. I mean, you know, they they both finished off three three games, uh, you know, against Eastern Conference opponents, all of which need points. And, I mean, you talk about Toronto. Obviously, you know, the you know the, the mountain they have to climb to get to the playoffs is very, very steep. But at the same time, you know, we've seen them 
we've seen them play, uh, you know, play spoiler. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, the revs drew to them two to two. And I mean, that was, that was a game that was pretty much an afterthought until, you know, uh, somebody, somebody realized that they actually showed up for that game. So, um, you know, anything can happen, especially, you know, Columbus. I mean, you make a great point. I mean, they're eight, one and one in the last nine and the last 10. And, you know, they've wrapped, they've all, but I mean, they have wrapped up that, that playoff berth. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of, you know, starting 11 that they, that they, you know, bring out considering that I'm sure they want to keep some guys healthy. They want to, you know, rest some guys so that they're ready for the playoffs. Um, so two very interesting playoff scenarios for each team. Uh, the Revs, obviously, you know, they face Kansas City on at home and on the road. Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't come down to that last game, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can get, if they can get, I think Brad said, if they can get, you know, five points, uh, you know, in these next three games, I mean, that, that, that should be good. I mean, that should be good to give them second, second place, but, um, but it won't be easy. That's for sure. Yeah, they need to start winning their games at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three points last night would have helped them so much, especially with Chicago tying today. But again, that, that 2-2 draw could prove crucial. Mm. Um, keeping the Revs just one point ahead of Chicago. And as I said earlier, they, Chicago owns the tiebreaker, so a tie does the, and the standings does the Revs no good mm. as for locking up that second seed. Uh, but really, how important do you think the second seed is in this MLS playoff system? Uh, I mean, all it means is that they get the second game at home. There are just two games in the first, in the first round, unlike in the past. Um, years ago when they used to have um, three games in the first round in MLS. Now just that two means the second one's at home for the Revs. Is, is it that important? I mean, I, honestly, for a team like the Revs, I don't think it is important. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen the last two or three years that the Revs, you know, home or road, they just seem to turn it on. I mean, the play, playoff time is really the revolution's time to shine. And, I mean, you know, everything but the MLS Cup, I mean, they just seem to, you know, rise to the occasion. Home, road, doesn't matter. You know, snow, not no snow. It, it just doesn't matter to them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think, obviously, you know, the players would like to have second place for pride i mean obviously so they can say they that they were second place rather than third um rather than third place but you know i'm sure that you know looking from a player's perspective maybe they would rather have the second seed so you know but you know from my my perspective i I share your opinion i don't think it really matters i think there is always the underrated factor of if they should remain tied after the second leg Mm. getting to play that overtime in potential penalty Mm. kicks especially penalty kicks at home is a, is a huge advantage with the crowd behind you. True. And, uh, but I did want to just look at the, the standings um, quickly before we have to wrap up the show. Um, looking down there, Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I thought they would at least turn things around enough to get a playoff spot this year, but really an- another disaster for them. Mm. Um, last place overall in MLS, despite the money they've put out in these teams. Of course, they have been scoring a lot of goals, making for some <laughs> exciting games with 50 goals, leading the league in goals scored and goals allowed, but <laughs> are you surprised that the Galaxy didn't turn things around this year with the money that they've invested in that team? I think with the whole uh, Rude Goal debacle, I mean, it was tough. I mean, I think from that point on, you know, they at least they addressed the situation midseason, um, you know, given all the goals that, that have been scored, obviously they've, they've allowed a lot, so I mean, um, you know, Bruce Arena really wasn't given much to work with. So, I mean, I think it's 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 time to look towards next season for them. In Kansas City and Toronto on the Eastern Conference, as mm. well as D.C., um, mm. all at the bottom, they're disappointing. Um, and I think D.C. is the biggest surprise. They lost a couple guys, but also brought in some good players. Yeah. Um, the big schedule towards the end of the year now with the Champions League, that's going to hurt them going forward. Oh, yeah. and I, I can't see them making the playoffs with the schedule they have. Yeah, the genius of Nickel to kind of... You know, I mean, not not maybe focus as much on Champions League as as many as maybe others would, but uh, uh, but you know, it, <laughs> DC's DC is uh, is it has been a disappointing team. So you know, they still have something to play for, but uh, but you know, they you never know. They they could pose problems for the Revs uh, in that and not not this week's game, but the week after this game. And San Jose, four or five points back from a playoff spot. We do have to wrap things up, but four or five points for 
back from a playoff spot. They do have four games left. Mm. They still have a possibility of making the playoffs, and I think they're a team that's much, much improved oh, yeah. from the start of the season as an expansion team. And they could be, prove a surprise um, going to the playoffs. Again, we are going to be back here uh, next week right here at Revolution Recap. Um, make sure to check out revolutionrecap.com for the archives and other information. And send us emails at revolutionrecap at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and uh, your thoughts and questions. And be sure to address them on next week's show. Thanks again, Brian, for joining us, and Thank thanks you. for listening.